It's important to make a distinction between aging and maturing. Maya Angelou has a quote that says something like, I'm convinced that people merely grow old. They never grow up. Now the point here is that we know that there's some physical maturity that happens on its own for the most part, but the psychological maturing, it's ongoing, right? It can continue. But sometimes people don't realize that. And they say things like, I'm grown up. I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. That doesn't necessarily mean you're a mature man. Those are two different things. So there's the physical growth, and then there's the psychological growth associated with maturity. If you look up the definition of maturity, because I think spirituality is all about maturing. Maturing psychologically, maturing emotionally, maturing in terms of virtue and kindness and compassion. But it means to respond wisely to the environment. If you go deeper into the meaning of maturity, it comes from the Latin word maturare, which meant to ripen, or maturus, which meant ripe, is an adjective. When you think of the word ripe, what comes to mind? Fullness. Fullness. And what object in nature becomes ripe? A fruit. Now, fruits are used as spiritual symbols in religious literature, like a tree is known by its fruit. If you think of how a fruit ripens, it goes from one state to another. If you think of the opposite of ripeness or immature, those fruits are sour or bitter and harder. Okay. So the sourness or bitterness in a person or the hardness of somebody's heart doesn't necessarily mean it's all bad. Just like an unripe fruit is not a bad fruit. It's just not mature yet. This helps mature people to accept the differences among people. The quality of the ripe fruit, however, is softness and sweetness. In this case, the softness refers to flexibility of mind, gentleness. Softness is not weakness. Sometimes people use the word soft to mean weak, but in terms of maturity, softness means flexible. Somebody once asked Confucius in old age to teach him something wise and he smiled and he had no teeth at the time. He was very old. And the student said, I don't understand. Can you please explain what the smile means? And he says, what do you see in my smile? He says, I don't see any teeth. But what is there? He said, the tongue is there. So he said, the teeth are hard. They've all fallen out. <laughs> the tongue is soft and it has endured. So spirituality is about becoming soft in terms of flexible mind. And in Taoist scriptures, they talk about water being the softest thing. It just flows in such a soft and gentle way. But when it builds up, it's also powerful. Like Bruce Lee said, it can crash. So to be like water, be strong when you need to be. Ripe means soft and sweet. When we talk about a person being sweet, we mean they're kind, kind and compassionate. You have to strain the mind to become more virtuous. To just be around kind people 
wouldn't actually make a person kind. It would just make them good at business. You're kind to me, I'm kind to you. <laughs> but to be kind when the situation isn't always favorable, that's the real kindness. And that's what maturity means. A couple other things I want to share with you though. How does a fruit become mature? The fruit becomes mature by time on the vine or long association with the tree. The tree or the vine in spiritual literature is a symbol for maturity. The tree has already grown. If the fruit can stay connected to the tree long enough, it will get all the nurturing that it needs. How else does fruit develop or a tree develop to become mature? It takes two things primarily, light and water. These are also symbols. Water in different scriptures represents purity and love. Because it nourishes things and cleanses all things without trying to. So there's some humility in the water. It will flow to the low places that other people disdain. And light represents knowledge or illumination. But in this case, it's about the light of self-knowledge. And if you think of dimly lit space, it's hard to see. And when there's no light, there's total ignorance. People don't know what's there. But dim light is a problem because that's when people get the most confused. And in Hinduism, they call this condition under the spell of Maya. Maya is like the illusory power of nature. And it has two characteristics. One is that it covers up what's actually there. And the second is that it projects something else. And that's what creates illusions among people. The example that's given is a rope. If you were looking at a rope in the corner of a dimly lit room, you might think it's a snake. If it was totally dark, there'd be no rope. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> but because it's dimly lit, you see something's there, but not what's actually there. People don't see the rope. That's the veiling power. Instead, they see a snake. That's the projecting power. And so self-knowledge is all about looking carefully at what's really there. But this actually applies to ourself. How do people get self-knowledge? They have to take their five senses and turn them inward. How does my mind react to things? What kind of thoughts come to me? What are my preferences? What do I really struggle with? What are my hang-ups? This is what it takes, introspection. Introspection means to look inward, and this can also be practiced through meditation and contemplation. If you go inward, you go upward. So think of inward and upward. Inward brings light and knowledge, and a person can grow up. When a person isn't willing to look at themselves or look themselves in the mirror, their five senses are going out, outward and downward, or down and out. If we want to grow, we have to look within. I, I said before that people don't want to do this growth. But if they do, they need to come to the elders or the wise people in the community like ancient civilizations used to do. There's a story that I want to share with you that I think illustrates this. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Velveteen Rabbit. It was by Marjorie Williams Bianco. It was her most famous children's story. And I think it was published in 1922. But there is a section of it that I want to read to you. 
and it's about how toys become real. It had a second name, How Toys Become Real. Real with a capital R. So obviously there's a metaphor here. But the story is all about this toy rabbit, the Velveteen Rabbit, and his journey from uncertainty to self-discovery. In the toy nursery, it's all about toys becoming truly loved, not just being there left in that space. But they talk about what it takes to become real. And there's an older toy in the nursery called the Skin Horse. And the Velveteen Rabbit becomes friends with the Skin Horse. And that toy horse becomes his mentor, almost like a guru to the Velveteen Rabbit. And the rabbit asks the toy horse a question about what it's like to become real. And I want to read that to you. What is real? Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt, asked the rabbit? Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. <laughs> but these things don't matter at all. Because once you are real, you can't be ugly, except to people who don't understand. And once you are real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts for always. So it's nice. It's all about the reality that it takes a long time to mature. And in this case, I think the maturity is about true love, not just the romantic love that people seek or chase after, but the love of unconditionality, universal love and friendship and also self-acceptance. The skin horse is saying, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I'm a shabby toy now because once you're real, you can't become unreal. I think the beautiful message in this is that no matter where we are, what stage of life, maturity is a state of mind. Physical growth is for the physical body, but spiritual growth is for the mind. And so we can all continue to engage in that and get the peace associated with spirituality. Also, in this ancient Vedic culture that I was talking about in India, this term for long association with the mature is called satsang. I don't know if you ever heard of the term satsang, but sat means truth and sang or sangha meant association with. So association with the wise, the compassionate, made other people wise and compassionate. There's a saying, good company will make you good, bad company will make you bad, or be careful who you associate with, because we're human beings, we tend to become like each other. There's a cognitive bias called groupthink, where people all start to think the same. So if we're all gonna start to think the same, then it's good to be around good people, good ideas, inspiration, positivity. And also, 
to reflect on the whole journey of the tree to becoming mature. A tree, like a human being, starts as a seed in Mother Earth. We start as a seed in our own mother. Then, if there's enough luck, I guess you could say, the seed will sprout. If you've ever gardened before, you know that you plant a bunch of seeds because they won't all sprout. And then you nurse the ones that do and eventually transfer them over to the garden. So we both start as a seed in darkness. The tree seed is in the earth, and after it sprouts, it's completely vulnerable, just like a human baby. The human baby survives at the mercy of the people and the care that's around it. So does a little tree. It doesn't have its power yet. But after this period of vulnerability, if the nature protects it, then it starts to become strong and it grows up with that light and that water, love and knowledge in our case. I don't know if you've ever heard of the 20th century philosopher Bertrand Russell, but he had this famous quote, the good life is one inspired by love and guided by knowledge. That was his simple expression for how to do the psychological growing up. Maturity in relationships. So this pertains to how we communicate with each other. Relationships can be divided into three categories. One is dependence or codependence. If you haven't heard of codependency, it means where people put all of their happiness on the other person. So sometimes relationships are codependent where if anything changes in that relationship, the other person is going to be devastated. And so in psychology, we try to help people understand that it's better to spread out your connection and have more meaning other than just this one relationship because you're risking your heart too much there. When two people are leaning on each other in that way, if one steps away, the other one falls. Okay. That's called codependency. On the other hand, sometimes in relationships, people keep too much to themselves, and that's considered to be independence. Independence is a good thing in the United States, but when there's too much independence in the relationship, there's not enough cooperation and connection. So there's a third stage that's called interdependence. It means I realize that we matter to each other, and I don't think I can do everything on my own, but I don't put all of my happiness on you. I'm here to support you. Love in, in terms of interdependence means I like you, I respect you. Not I need you, but I like you, I respect you, and if there's anything I can do being my authentic self to help you without compromising my values, without overextending myself, without neglecting myself, then I want to do it. It'll be a gift to me. That's what interdependence is about. And the way the mature person in a relationship would communicate would be like the Japanese art of Aikido. It stands for the art of peace. It's one of the few that's designed to teach the martial artist how to defend themselves without hurting the other person. Now, most of the other martial arts teach how to do whatever you need to do to fight. But this one is all about energy, leverage, and so on to deflect harm. 
And when this is applied to communication, it looks like this. Four things to remember. Align, agree, redirect, and resolve. Align means to receive the people in your life. To recognize what is special in that moment that this person is with you, even if you aren't on the same page, right? If you think about somebody coming to our home as a guest, we would receive them. You open the door for them, you take their jacket. Even in conflict, the martial artist receives the other person. So in arguments, the mature person wants to truly listen. And to really listen, you have to set down what you have to say so that you have the space. This was once demonstrated by a Zen monk to a American, an American professor who came to Japan to learn about Zen philosophy. But he had all his own ideas about what Zen was about. And so when he sat down for tea with the monk, the monk started pouring for him. And then after the tea hit the top of the cup, he kept pouring and it was flowing over. And the professor, that's enough, that's okay. And, and he kept pouring. <laughs> And he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to teach you about Zen. And he said, I don't understand. He said, well, the cup is full and I'm still pouring because your mind is full with all the ideas that you already have about Zen, but you're asking me to teach you something. There's no space. And so listening is about emptying and using empathy. After one does this, they can move to the next step, which is agree. So even though there might be a conflict and somebody is upset with me, what about that situation could I agree with instead of immediately jumping to what I don't like and becoming negative myself, taking on anger and frustration into me? Well, at the very least, I can agree that I don't want this person to be upset with me. I think sometimes in families we lose sight of this. We're so worried about being right and defending ourselves, we forget that we're in a family in the first place for cooperation, not competition. People want to be right, they keep scores on each other, they pull out scorecards and said, no, last week you said this, it's not fair. We forget, we compete. So agree is all about finding where you both see things the same, even if I don't agree with why. I do agree that I don't want the person to hurt. If you can find that point of intersection, then the martial artist and the mature communicator can guide the situation to redirecting. If you both agree that you don't want this person to be unhappy, where can you look forward together? How can you start to solve this? I can think of like common examples in marriages, people say things like, Am I the only one who gives a damn about the finances? And then it turns into an argument. But the truth is, both people don't like being in debt. They're just fighting over who cares more, who's worried more. But there's something that they both agree on. They don't like the situation. If they would move there, they could take the next step. Okay, what, what can we do together? That's redirect. And then resolve is when you actually do it. So that is what mature communication looks like, borrowed from the wisdom of Aikido in Japan. Maturity is not just, not just a philosophy, but it can also be a technique like meditation. Spirituality has this root word spirit, 
And spirit also comes from Latin, spiritus, which meant several things. It meant energy, like team spirit. It meant alcohol, like wines and spirits. It meant ghost. I thought I saw a spirit and so on. It meant God, like the Holy Spirit. But in this case, it means breath. Spiritus meant breath. And so, accordingly, we have words built off the word spirit that have to do with breathing. Inspiration comes from the root word spirit. Respiration, the spirare is breathing. So the foundation of spirituality has something to do with breath. And most spiritual practices in martial arts, in yoga, and other contemplative traditions instruct practitioners in spirituality to watch their breath, to love their breath, knowing that their breath is the link to life. And it can help us feel centered, grounded, and connected to our authentic self.